Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Today's episode is brought to you by WP Maintenance Plan. You can find out more at WPMP.org. It's a business that will cover handling the maintenance of your WordPress site. Did you know that in order for your website to show up at the top of Google search listings, it has to be in compliance with a heck of a lot of different standards from optimizing the page, from security fixes, from all sorts of maintenance that I don't want to deal with, you probably don't want to deal with, you probably want to just focus on whatever awesome service you offer to your customers. So offload all of that maintenance, all of that technical stuff to WP Maintenance Plan. They'll take care of it at a 100% satisfaction guarantee for only $49 a month. No WordPress site comes out of the box, even meeting two-thirds of Google's recommendations for what a website needs to have in order to place high on its search listings. So check out WPMP.org to find out more. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode's with Seeds That Feed. It's a nonprofit here in Northwest Arkansas. They're doing some pretty incredible stuff when it comes to dealing with food insecurity issues here in our local area. And, and also what's really impressive is how they're sort of marrying entrepreneurship and innovation with their nonprofit effort. I loved this episode. You're going to enjoy it too. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. And hey, get involved with supporting Seeds That Feed. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. I am thrilled to bring to you not one, but two amazing guests to the show today. And it's an organization that is doing some pretty incredible stuff in our Northwest Arkansas community. I think you're going to love this episode. I'm sitting down with Seeds That Feed. Specifically, I'm sitting down with Alyssa Snyder and Margaret Thomas. They're the Chief Seeder and Chief Feeder tag team at Seeds That Feed. If you don't know about Seeds that feed. It's a nonprofit organization that is solving the food insecurity crisis by getting good, healthy food to the communities that need them. Alyssa and Margaret, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having thanks us. For having us. Well, I'm. I'm. Uh, we, now, for the audience, you, the three of us, and uh, as well as uh, a friend of ours, we had all sat down and talked a little bit about your organization. I guess it was about a month ago. I love what you guys are doing. Just for the audience, can you guys talk a little bit about what is Seeds That Feed? Tell me a little bit about the organization. Sure. So, um, our uh, as you you said in our our intro there. Our mission is is very simple. So we're we're working to get healthier foods out to those that need it most here in our region um, by working with uh, specifically farms and farmers markets uh, to collect and uh, redirect their surplus harvests um, out into those areas, the neighborhoods, um, 
in the agencies that are, you know, reaching the audiences that we're trying to get to. So um, that's what we do at a, at a very broad level. Um, um, you know, with that, we're looking to um, develop innovative strategies to do that and um, really listening to the people that we're working with and then adapting our approaches to meet the ever need, um, you know, ever changing needs of um, the populations that we're working with. So um, for us, that just means remaining really agile and, um, you know, being willing to uh, kind of adapt our strategies as we learn from, from the folks that we're working with. So, so, so I got a, something I want to pick up on already that you're, you're mentioning. Um, cause in, and if I can be like overly simplistic for just a second, not to be rude, but a lot of times when we think about, um, or I would say we, when a lot of times a nonprofit gets mentioned, people think of very um, compassionate efforts and it's really feel good and it's really warm. But you've used two terms already that I think it's pretty interesting about what you're doing for your business. You mentioned the word innovation and you mentioned staying agile. And those are very kind of uh, business-esque terms. And people don't always associate a nonprofit with having sort of like these strategically minded... um, things. So, so talk to me a little bit more about, you know, what are you guys doing with seeds that feed and, and do you think of yourself as a business or are you, do you feel like you're more of like the typical, um, warm, feel good nonprofit? I mean, what does it look like for you guys? Both. Both. <laughs> I would definitely both. Um, when we first started seeds that feed in 2012, our whole mission was just to, you know, we had recently graduated from college and were kind of like on the outskirts of the um, first um, recession. And we really just wanted to do something good for the community because we had time and weren't necessarily super happy with our, our day jobs after we graduated. So it began with, we want to do things for the community. And as you know, we've morphed into different molds since 2012, it's, you know, we, it's apparent that we need to run it as a, as a business as well. Mm. Do you think nonprofits in general struggle? Like I love what you just said, running as a business as well. Is that a challenge for nonprofits in general? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it can be, or it definitely is. I think it, it crosses the span, you know, um, a lot of times, um, you know, we, I, 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 I come from a business background. Um, you know, I was a, a Walton college graduate here. And so I knew going into the business college that, um, I wanted to use business to do the kind of the, like you said, some of the, like more of the feel good, um, type of type of work. And so, um, you know, I think it's, I think it's, um, and, and Margaret's, um, got a strong, um, service background. And so kind of in our, our, um, uh, other team member also brings a, a business background. And so I think coming into it with those, with that kind of foundation and then using, um, that to kind of facilitate our passion, create a, created, you know, a good environment. I think it's, 
I think it's hard to um, run oftentimes a nonprofit like a business for one because I think they're viewed so separately. And I think that that's unfortunate because I think that nonprofits should be, um, you know, we should be trying to incorporate the same types of um, operations into a nonprofit as we have in the business world. So we should um, be looking for sustainable ways to um, generate revenue and um, sustain your operations um, because it's, it's so hard um, in the nonprofit model where you're, you know, sometimes working with like a three month runway um, mm. that depended on grants and, mm. and donations from private donors and events. And you're, you're constantly like chasing this small runway just to keep yourselves afloat and, and your, and your work going. And so um, in the, you know, in a traditional business model, you're earning revenue, which you're able to balance with your, your, your budget and your needs for your operations. And so well, I think how, we just make it a lot harder on ourselves. <laughs> how did you guys get over the, um, the naivety that people experience when they start something? Cause like you're talking about, you wanted to start something really meaningful. And I, at some point I want to uh, for the podcast is over. I want to talk about how you settled on food insecurity. But what I hear from people a lot of times who maybe they're starting a nonprofit, they're very passionate and they're full of compassion for the people group that they want to help. But when you talk about that runway and that sustainability, the, it, it almost feels like it's like a bingo card. It's like, it's like you could check the box for, oh, well, we'll just get a grant or, you know, oh, we'll just find, and it's, and it's not just nonprofit organizations, I think entrepreneurs do the same thing. It's, 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 oh, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just run ads on Facebook and that'll get me new clients or I'll just, you know, I'll go to the, to some networking event and I'll get more clients. And a lot of times we don't realize the energy and effort that is required to actually grow something sustainable. But at the same time, it, it feels like you guys really from day one, have sort of had this, this knack about navigating this, is that accurate or did you have your own growing pains? No, we've definitely had our own pains, <laughs> for sure. We just happen to be people that are willing to also work for free when we don't have the proper funds. <laughs> and, you know, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's been, it's always been something um, that we've, you know, that we've been working towards day one. I, I've, I've said this a million times, like, there's always that thought in the back of my head and I know and, and Margaret's and um, of, you know, how can we continue to, how can we um, sort of monetize the work that we're doing and, and um, you know, and create sustainability in that way. And so. Um, is, is that, do you think like for like the, the person who maybe is, unaware of like maybe someone on the outside is it is it taboo to talk about sustainability in the form of like making money and revenue when you're a nonprofit? I think that it probably historically um but I from what I've seen especially in the last year is that you know that's something that nonprofits are striving to do is is you know to create those earned revenue streams um so they can focus more on the work and a little less on how are we going to sustain this. And, um, 
in the last year specifically, we've learned a a ton and has propelled us forward. We were in the Refed um, first nonprofit food recovery accelerator this in 2019, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that um, was a major shift for us to to really push us towards the sustainable um, model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I think just to add to that, what Margaret said, um, I think that the more that we can translate some of these model, like, you know, um, some of the things that we, we learn in, in the, in the business world into, uh, the nonprofit sector. And, you know, um, I, I think that I, I just so much more could be done and, mm. you know, then you can get out there and really focus on what you do best and um, and really like cut back on some of the scarcity, you know, um, things that just are inherent in running an yeah. Talk talk to me a little bit more about that with the scarcity mindset. Scarcity mindset. I, I think it's I think as a as running a nonprofit, you're uh, I think you're you're expected to be able to do so much with a little um, because you're you're, you know, by nature, you're, you're supposed to pour everything that you have into the community, right? That's, that's your goal. That's your focus, your mission. And I think lots of times it comes it, um, you know, to back to, okay, well, we've got to be super resourceful and we've got this amount of money that we've been designated for this program. We've got to make it the most impact with the little, you know, this, um, and, and that's just the way the model has worked. Um, so, you know, kind of shifting that um, paradigm and the, the way that we view charity, mm. um, you know, we're, we're providing services and these services are just as important, um, you know, and I would even beg to say a lot more important than a lot of business services. And, um you know, so we want to we want to be able to create opportunities and to to treat um, nonprofit organizations more and and compensate them for the service that they're providing to to the community and to humanity. You know, so I, I think it's a I think it's going to have to be a, a shift on a greater scale. Um, yeah, I, but I think it's happening. It's starting now. It's just smaller. Yeah, it's 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 starting to happen. For sure. Well, it's it's a little tough sometimes to um, take donor dollars and then have your donor understand that like you're not a superhero, you know, like that mm-hmm. that hundred dollar yeah. donation's not going to, you know, now it's solved. You know, this family will never struggle with food insecurity again. I, I think sometimes yeah. navigating that's a little challenging, and I think also, um, and you mentioned this a second ago. There's a bit of a, um, maybe stigma is not the right word. There's, there's almost a bit of an expectation that if you step into the nonprofit world that you are now going to become a martyr and you're not allowed to be compensated. You're not allowed to make any money. Uh, and you're expected exactly what you just said. You're expected to sort of create these insane outcomes with the most minuscule of resources. Uh, I, I mean, I, I can't even understand how where these expectations come from. But in many cases, I know that it, it causes people to burn out and stay very mm-hmm. temporary in the nonprofit world. Um, yeah. What have you seen in that regard and on y'all's end? 
Well, I mean, like I, like you kind of referred back to, like, you know, I, and like I said, I mean, because we, we really so strongly believe in what we're doing, we're luckily, lucky, luckily um, have been able to sustain ourselves. And um, even at times when the money's not flowing in um, as much as we would like. Um, so um, remind me your, your exact question again. I don't even know. I'm just rambling. Really. <laughs> well, I, was, I was talking about, you know, it just feels like it feels oh, like, doing so much, yeah. well, yeah, you, you have to do so much. There's, and again, it's almost like this expectation of martyrdom or mm-hmm. if you're in the nonprofit world, you're not supposed to, I mean, it, it's, it's a bit interesting to me. It's almost like sort of this mother Teresa esque expectation when yeah. it's, I love what you said. The work that you're doing is it's more meaningful and it has a longevity to it that is bigger than what some for-profit businesses are doing right now. Mm-hmm. And yet people won't, not you two guys specifically, but people won't stay attached to their cause because mm-hmm. of yeah. these social expectations and just the challenges of being in the nonprofit world. Um, I don't know the question out of there other than just as yeah. an observer and as someone who's worked with nonprofits, it's, it's a trend that I've noticed time and again. Yeah. And I, yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, that's exactly right. You give, you give so much of yourself into the work. I think um, you, we work really, really hard to do a lot with a little, um, you know, and, and for us, I know a lot of what comes with that is, you know, we're always trying to innovate. And so when you're looking at that, you're like creating a new and creating and building on. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's people get in, in at the, and you know, at the same time, you're having to figure out how to collect your paycheck. Um, you know, and on top of all this other stuff, you're having to figure out how to continually, fund yourself in the work that you're doing um, dependent on these dollars coming from someone else and believing in the work that you're doing. And so, I mean, just saying it sounds exhausting to me and it's something that you constantly, you know, something that has helped us along this way is because we've always come at it as like not just nonprofit, but as an entrepreneurship Mm. kind of angle. And it always makes me think of the quote, being an, on, an entrepreneur, working 80 hours a week so that you don't have to work 40 hours for someone else. So, <laughs> right. Like, there's a more of a willingness to, to keep things going and working harder. Um, when, cause not necessarily when you get done at the end of the day that you're actually done mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. I think there's a huge opportunity to, to like bring, the business world in and and mesh it with the causes in the in the nonprofit world and really um, start combining forces to make a larger impact um, and you know um, so I, th- I think that I think that in order to really um, solve some of, to solve you know um, some of these huge issues that we're working on it's it create it's a multidisciplinary multi-faceted system you know that's all playing but if if i can i don't want to sound cynical but i i I agree Mm -hmm. i agree with you 
But I, what I want to know is y'all's perspective on why does it feel like it's so challenging for that to happen? And, and what I mean by that is, you know, you're not the only food insecurity program in Northwest Arkansas. There's something like 200 in, in some regard in Northwest Arkansas. We also in Northwest Arkansas have, you know, Walmart in our backyard. It's the, you know, supply chain capital maybe of the world, um, maybe only rivaled by Amazon, which they wouldn't be happy for me saying that. But it, it, it almost feels like we all agree that there should be this interdisciplinary effort and this sort of this thing that expands across multiple industries and, and business categories and verticals and what have you. And yet it, it, it almost feels like a lot of organizations really are reinventing the wheel or staying very siloed or staying very, um, you know, it's like, it's like great example, you know, oh, this organization has a food truck. Now we all need food trucks. Instead, mm-hmm. of, instead of thinking about, okay, how can we assist? It, it's almost like everyone has to be the guy, so to speak. Yeah, um, you know, yeah go ahead. I was just going to say, um, that hasn't really ever been our approach in Seeds That Feed. We've always thought of ourselves as um, you know, a segue from this food and getting it to the place where it needs to go. And that could be anywhere from, you know, when we first started in 2012, it was direct to pantry model. And then we started learning from that and moved into a mobile pantry because there's all these, um, you know, people in the community that don't um, go to food pantries or community mills, but are still having that same need as the people that are, they're just not getting services. And so we've kind of just found like the niches where people aren't doing the things and then trying to refine it. Mm. which I think is what has brought us to where we are today with our, our newest initiatives. Yeah. And, and I think too with that, I think what, I, I think it goes back to kind of that's that mindset that, cause you, you have, uh, you know, these dollars that people are and organizations are all trying to, you know, kind, you know, get out of the same pot. And so, if they look over here and this person that's just created this cool food truck program just got, you know, this funding or whatever, and it looks like they're able to do all these things. Well, maybe that's what we're supposed to do in order to do our work better, you know? And so I think that, I think it just happens because, you know, people are, you know, organizations are trying to compete for the same dollars. And so it's shiny um, object syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Basically. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we've always really like, uh, you know, we've always challenged ourselves to never follow the money. Um, just to always like, um, you know, we, we do check-ins all the time. Like, does this, is this why we're here? And if the money is saying, do this, um, you know, we say, you know, is this why we're here? And, and, and to us, you know, Sometimes that is meant, you know, that we don't have um, maybe those resources, but it's really kept us true to what we're doing. And I think is a a reason, one of the big reasons that we're still here today, because, um, you know, we've always, we've always like held that very close to us. um, We've listened to, you know, the people that we're serving, um, like that has always been kind of like our, our cornerstone to, 
to whether we're being successful and, and serving the people in the way that they want to. And I think that the shifts that we've had um, over the years all reflect from what we have learned from the people that um, are actually getting the food we're giving out. And see, there's a great concept is, you know, you, you're basically saying you've, your business is addicted to listening to your customers, right? I mean, you're not charging them, but you've built yeah. the direction of your business out of what your people are telling you who you're serving, which it seems like a no brainer, but time and again, a multitude of businesses don't do that. Or like you said, they do chase the money or they chase whatever is shiny or sexy or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and that's, and I, I, you know, we'll, I'll, we'll talk about other organizations and stuff too. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, I, I like to remind our friends at other places that all of a sudden are looking to get into something totally different, you know, Hey, like, don't forget why you're here, mm. you know? And, and if you follow that, I'm a firm believer. If you just follow that, it'll work out and you're going to, um, you're going to be able to continue doing and build in the way that you want to. But man, once you get off that path and you start kind of, you know, um, following this other way because you feel like it's the only way you're going to get a paycheck, it just, you just can derail yourself so quick, you know, and all of a sudden you find yourself doing something that you never set out to do. Um, so. Well, and I think what I like about what I'm hearing from you too is you're talking about really being clear on your mission and your values and what drives you, but it's not something that, you know, goes on the wall as like a marketing piece. It's, you know, like, Hey, check out our mission statement. It's like, this is how we make our decisions here, how we make. And I think that's the other piece of it. It's, it's how do you make strategic decisions in a way that are going, it's going to inform the success of your business. Um, like for example, you said that you are sort of allowing your customers to dictate, I keep saying customers, the people you serve to dictate sort of how you innovate and how you stay agile. Um, and if, if we can pause there for a second, I, I really would like to unpack what innovation looks like for you guys, because again, we, we use these very sexy entrepreneurial terms without really knowing what it means. And so when we talk about what innovation looks like in the nonprofit world, that is when people talk about, oh, well, you know, here's a new way to get a grant, but it's still the same solutions. You guys, last time we talked, shared something that you're working on that I think truly is innovative. Um, do you want to take a second and talk a little bit about what you're doing? For sure. So, um, are, you able, are you able to, is it top secret or? Yeah, no, no, no. Okay. we'd love to. Yeah. So, um, kind of going back to listening to our customers, which you said, you know, you keep calling them customers, but we do too. You know, I mean, they are, they're the, they're the people that we're here for to, to, to work for. So, um, so, you know, after, um, a series of events, we, we found ourselves, um, um, you know, looking to develop an earned revenue model. Um, a mentor of ours, um, brought forward, um, who's actually the mentor who brought us all together today. Um, oh. <laughs> so Dr. Rogelio Contreras. So, um, so we, um, you know, we, we were, we've been on this ever, 
search and quest for the, you know, for, for earned revenue for organizations. Yep. And, um, and so, you know, we found ourselves at a point, um, where we were really, really exploring this in order to, um, to, um, launch into an accelerator program and just really focus on that for the organization. And in brainstorming on that, um, you know, this, this thing that we'd been searching for for so long, um, we found within um, one of the clients that we'd been working with for the last year and a half and um, kind of took our experience with her and translated it into what um, the model that um, we call the Fed initiative that we're working on, um, which just to give you her, her story real quick, I'll try not to take forever here, but um, she's an elderly lady um, that lives in our area and her doctor, um, due to her um, health conditions, she's type two diabetic. Um, she was asked to shift her diet and to start eating primarily fresh fruits and vegetables, but based on, her fixed income, um, uh, not having a working vehicle, um, physical mobility issues. She was unable to get out there and actually be able to purchase this food. And honestly, she didn't even know what I did for work. Um, and she kind of said, you know, that's all well and good, but you know, how am I, how does my doctor expect that I'm going to be able to actually pull this off? And so, you know, I said, well, it just so happens I've got lots of access to fresh fruits and vegetables, so we'll just start delivering to you um, on a weekly basis. And so we did. Um, And within a couple of months, her health started turning around. She was able to eliminate um, one of her her medications. She was able to um, reduce dosage in morning and afternoon and and since we've been working with her for the last couple of years, she's lost over uh, 22 pounds. And so we saw the, like, really the impact that this food can have on someone's and health. And her doctors. And her doctors, yeah. And they're asking her, what are you doing, you know? And so <laughs> she didn't really know other than that this lady brings her vegetables every week. Um, but, you know, we... we we started looking at translating that into a model that, um, and her name's Sheila. And we were, we said, you know, if, if this works for Sheila, how many other Sheila's are out there and how can we turn this into something that, um, you know, that we could connect and scale for other people. And so that's brought us to, to where we're at today working, um, uh, with patients to create a home delivery model of fresh produce um, in order to uh, positively affect chronic conditions that they're facing. So we've got a huge um, growing population of, of baby boomers, and, and um, by 2030, we'll have over 20% of um, the U.S. population over the age of 65. And um, many, um, a, a large chunk of um, that group of people is going to have more than one chronic condition. And so it's, it's a time where we have to start looking at how can we start shifting health um, and, and, and most chronic conditions are, are linked directly to diet. And so, um, so what we're doing here is um, we're partnering up with um, and working to identify patients with UAMS in order to 
um, start working uh, to start shifting their health and build a, um, a case around this in order to uh, bring to um, healthcare or health insurers. Uh, so health insurers um, are, are looking for, um, you know, for shifts and, and answers to this because we've got um, a huge group of people who are going to be needing more and more healthcare services. Um, and, and over 50% of healthcare spending right now is going to treating um, individuals with chronic conditions. So, um, so I, I said I would try to keep it short, but it, that, that really happens when I start talking a about of, this. A lot of layers. Too. Yeah, and I get you know excited. And just as I'm listening, ultimately the idea is very simple. Yeah, and and the the simple put it to put it simply, we're we're going to be getting fresh produce into directly to the doors of patients um, experiencing chronic illness in order to start tracking improvements and um, bring these to the healthcare system in order to create a sustainable model where insurance, um, Medicare in particular, can come in and help fund this service um, for uh, individuals far and wide um, in order to well, start seeing a shift. shift you that know, once we're, what we're hoping is to be able to, you know, create this pilot here and then be able to expand it to help you know, nonprofits across the country um, and helping them become more sustainable themselves. You know, you guys are very startup-esque. You know, what you're talking about is mm-hmm. it's it's very similar to the story of any startup. Um, and I think what's really cool is you've, you've taken this startup-esque, innovative-esque, entrepreneurial-esque approach on, on your nonprofit and to create sort of this very sustainable outcome, uh, it's exciting to, to hear about, but it's also a bit, it's a bit unusual in the startup world that can very easily, you know, the startup world can very easily just fall into um, um, very compassion-driven initiatives that miss that entrepreneurial flavor. And so I, I think it's pretty exciting to hear about what you guys are doing. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Not that my opinion really matters. So <laughs> no, um, sure. that's awesome. One other thing I want to ask you about before we start to wrap up is, so you're, you're, you're helping people who they don't have the access to food that they need. How do you guys navigate the topic of dignity in your world where uh, spe- specifically in food insecurity, I've seen, I've heard even people in the nonprofit world complain about someone who's receiving food, being particular about the food they're receiving, sort of like this, you know, hey, you're getting this for free, just shut up and take it type of deal. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's in contrast to understanding this topic of human dignity and like, how do, you, how do you serve someone and help someone while also helping them maintain their dignity? What does that look like for Seeds That Feed? Yeah, so we, um, you know, we've, that that has been a, a, a thread that has been woven through the work that we've um, been doing since day one. Um, I, I remember when we first started, or one of our quality checks for the food that we were getting from 
was we looked at every single piece of food that came through and if it was we if it wasn't something that we would want to eat it did not go any further um Mm. so that was i mean i just that's always been the case and then from there um you know this it we it became more and more so um uh part of sort of our just our you know go to check with ourselves was um you know so we saw within and this is and this is not to speak um you know illy of the the systems that are set in place through like pantries and other services that are getting food out to people um but you know um giving you know if we're bringing produce somewhere and it's turned around and it's put in a bag and um handed to someone well who knows if they like the things that are in it um and then from there does that mean that that food gets wasted if they don't like it and then do you go back to well that food could have gone to someone else and so you know, we, we found ourselves questioning, well, just because you find yourself in a position right now to need access to food, um, doesn't mean that you shouldn't have, we shouldn't all have the the same choices as far as what we want to eat, because we find ourselves maybe not having, being able to afford the things that we want, doesn't mean that we shouldn't be able to have them or, or choose from the things that are available. And so, um, you know, that, that was a, that came, I remember that coming in really quickly after we started. Um, and that's why we began creating, um, you know, systems where we could, we would go out into neighborhoods and set up folding tables and, spread crates of food all over the place just so that people could come in and choose what they wanted. I mean, that's, that's how important it was from us, right? That was the first year we started. Um, and so ever since then we've, we've woven that, um, into, into what the, the models that we're creating. And so, um, you know, uh, finding yourself in a position of needing some help, um, I, can be really hard, um, you know, for, for people. And so we like to figure out how to make every, you know, what we're doing, um, create, just create it as an experience, as an opportunity. Um, and Alyssa likes to kind of refer to our mobile pantry as like the healthy ice cream truck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, you know, so you, you have a truck roll into your neighborhood and you open it up and you drop down the retractable steps and you get to go on, on board this truck where you then shop through shelves and your reusable, uh, reusable bags and, and pick out what you want. And people leave smiling and starting to talk to their neighbors and, Oh, this is what I do with okra. This is what I do with eggplant. Um, and by the, you know, by the end of it, an hour has gone by, people are walking away excited going home looking forward to cooking what is in their bag because they picked it out and you know it's it's um it's just a simple something like that that can really change the way that someone feels about the situation that they're in and so and and it it goes back you know it's it's the dignified way of getting your own food um and picking it out and it feels less like um it's more of an event for a neighborhood rather than um, 
having to get up and go to a food pantry. Um, what am I trying to say here? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly what it is. Um, you know, they feel chosen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so any way that we can incorporate, um, you know, it, it goes back to, you know, I think we constantly check in with ourselves, like, would I want to do it this way? You know, would, would I want, would I want to have to go through this or can we bridge the way that it's currently being done and create another way to do it where you're still creating the same impact, but you're doing it through a different experience or through a different model. Um, Making it fun. Yeah. And so we, we kind of learned later that we'd like, you know, to, you said steer clear of, uh, technical terms, but we found out later, you know, we're doing this human centered design approach because we're listening to our, the people that we work with in the neighborhoods. And we're saying, you know, we keep hearing this. There's something to that. Let's explore that. And then, you know, if we keep hearing it, then let's explore, let's do it that way. You know, um, they're, they're telling us. So we didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> Yeah, we've done it. Once, once, we learned, once we learned the term, the term human-centered design, we were like, oh, I think we've been doing that for a long time. Um, but yeah, so I, I would just to quickly say dignity is just, I think it's just part of our culture in the way that we create at Seeds at Feed. And so, um, mm. um, you know, I, I think now it's just, it's just a, a of you know sort of a knee-jerk thing that we try to do but mm-hmm. um yeah but you know it's, it's interesting you know what did you call it human human-centered design human-centered yeah human-centered okay. design, I, I've, yeah. I've never heard that term but it's it sounds exactly like you know basically letting your customers guide your mm-hmm. product um how you evolve your product and whatever services you're all out which again what i've always liked to do on the podcast is i point out these things that seem so obvious and mm-hmm. yet it gets so clunky when it comes to executing whether that's you know now your board is dictating the decisions you're making or now whatever's most profitable that next fundraising opportunity is dictating your next decision rather than simply listening to the people that you serve um which thinks it can be hard to do sometimes but uh unfortunately we're out of time this has been an amazing interview mm-hmm. I would love to know what can people listening right now, and I have listeners who are all over the country, what can people do to learn more about Seeds That Feed? How can they get involved? How can they maybe even donate? Um, What does that look like? Yeah, so um, if you just do a a look us up, we're um, at seedsfeed.org. So S-E-E-D-S feed, F-E-E-D.org. Um, you can see more about what we're doing there. Um, uh, we've got a link to donate if you feel so inspired. And um, we're on social media um, under Seeds That Feed. Just search us there and you'll find us on Instagram, Facebook. And um, we're on Venmo because that's the easiest. Oh, uh, we are on. We are on. <laughs> Everybody loves Innovation. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. You can. Yeah, pop an emoji in there and $5 and it's easy peasy. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for being on the show today. Cool. Thank, thank you, you so much for yeah. having yeah. us. Thank you so much.
Uh, for our listeners, Alyssa Snyder, Chief Seeder, and Margaret Thomas, Chief Feeder, definitely check out seedsfeed.org. I'll put the website link in the episode description. Also, for all of us savvy tech users, jump on Venmo right now and throw five <laughs> bucks to Seeds That Feed. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, if you're a first-time listener, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Continue to follow great interviews and great content as we bring you good advice. And if you enjoyed this episode, definitely leave us a five-star review. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll check you later. See ya.